right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? You doing good? You doing good? Seriously? I mean, just smile at me. Come on, just smile. I mean, look, you can't change anything. I mean, the world is what the world is. So you might as well come in and smile and enjoy, enjoy the presence that we have with each other and enjoy what we're getting ready to do, which is encounter God. Amen? All right. Awesome, man. I'm so glad you guys are here. Let me say a big hello to everybody worshiping at one of our campuses uh, and as well as everybody that's at one of our uh, home campuses. You do, you do realize that if you're at home right now, we're just calling you a campus, okay? So uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining with us. It's going to be a great day. We're in week two of our current teaching series that we entitled Simply Encounter. And the whole series is really designed to try to entice you, right, to have a greater hunger to encounter the power and the presence of God. That's it. That's it. It's not manipulation. It's to entice. It's so that your heart would become more hungry for God. You do realize that that, that's God's agenda. That God's agenda in all that he has done and everything that he is continuing to do would be so that you would focus your full attention on him, worship him, honor him, and give him glory. You realize that that's like your number one mission on this earth is to worship God. Your number one thing is to worship him. And everything that you do is to point your attention towards him and glorify him and honor him. And so last week we kicked off this series basically just kind of driving home the key thought that, you know, what are you coming here expecting? What are you coming here expecting? And I challenge you all week long to come here on a Sunday and to live your life Monday through Saturday expecting to meet with God. In fact, we even kind of said this idea that well, what if I would have taken a microphone around to each and every one of you and asked you what your number one expectation was in being at New Life today, and I saw fear strike your faces. Because you know, you, you, some of you know me well enough that you're like, he may just do it. <clears throat> But I didn't, because I love you and I respect you and I didn't want to put you on the spot like that. But this week, this week's another, there's a whole other animal, right? And I'm not going to do it again this week. But can I just simply ask you, and between you, me, and God, what's your number one expectation today? Is it to meet with the power and the presence of God? Because church, I'm telling you, that's God's. God's desire today is that you wouldn't just walk away with here with cerebral knowledge of who he is. Oh yeah, he wants that to happen, but he wants you to walk away with, with the fact that you were in his presence. And it's undeniable, it's undisputable, that there is no way to get around it. I met with you, God. And church, that's God's desire, and that's what he wants from us. But it all starts with expectation. And you remember last week, I, I threw this uh, equation up there. This is my kind of math. It doesn't involve numbers. Right? <laughs> expectation. Plus searching equals finding. And I drove home the thought, you know, last week that this is not my expectation. This is not my searching. It's not my finding. This is God's equation, by the way. God's the one who established this. He goes, look, if you come expecting, basically having faith, and you go and let that faith be activated, let that expectation be activated, and you start searching, then God's going, look, I'm telling you, you will find me. And that when you search after me with all of your heart, God says, you will find me. Guys, that's good news. Amen? But a God encounter transforms you from the inside out. I grew up in a Pentecostal church all my life. 
I've led charismatic ministries. I've preached. I've preached in situations where there was a high, high sensitivity to what was going on, and there was a lot of manifestation of God. I, I've been to both ends of the spectrum. I've been to the far extreme of the charismatic you know, uh, uh, ditch. I've been to the far extreme of what it means to be far from God and living in, the, in, a, in a spiritual desert. And guys, what I'm telling you today is this, that the encounter with God is not just so that you have some kind of external experience with God that gives you the holy goosebumps. It's a transformation that starts from the inside out, not the outside in. The encounter with God that we're talking about through this entire series is to position your heart before God so that God can do his work on the inside, which, by the way, does radical things on the outside. It it may even be the kind of supernatural things that happen on the outside that are almost unexplainable for you. But we don't seek an external experience with God. We seek an internal encounter with God. That's where I want to lead you today. And for that to happen, we have to reorient ourselves in every aspect of our lives, reorient ourselves to be expecting and seeking and finding the presence of God in our desires, in our time, in our finances, in our prayer life. Our prayer lives have to be reoriented so that we actually start expecting to meet with God in our prayer time. Our worship time together has to be reoriented so that we come expecting to meet with God. Then we start searching and we start finding him. I love that the picture that came to my mind this week as I was thinking about, man, everything in our life has to be reoriented. It's like something's in the center and we take all the living room furniture and it all focuses in towards the middle. Or maybe it's a better example of those you know, concentrated solar farms. I think that these things are amazing. They do them in all kinds of different ways. But what, what's incredible is that they set up all of these mirrors with this tower, with this like, I don't know, the rays of the sun all aiming towards the tip of that tower. And it's purposely built to withstand the heat of this. And inside of there is typically some kind of an oil substance that's being heated up to over 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And then that extremely hot oil is interacting with water that's creating steam, that's turning a turbine, that's creating power. These things are amazing. The steam, you know, gets, gets reused. The oil gets reused. The water that it, that it interacted with gets reused. It's incredible. But the only way that it works is that as the sun moves in the sky, so do the, do the mirrors on the ground. They reorient themselves to reflect the sun back to the tower. And if at any moment the sun moves out of alignment with the alignment of the mirrors, then there is no you know, heat that's hitting the tip of that tower. The oil's not being heated. There is no power being generated. If the mirrors don't reorient themselves towards the sun, it all falls apart. And the same thing happens for you and me. And in our lives, we get so distracted by so many things trying to take our full attention and to get it off of the orientation of Christ himself. We live in a very fast-paced world. This fast-paced world is trying to pull our attention away from being oriented towards the encounter of God in our lives on a regular basis. Our politics is doing it right now. Kids' activities in our lives. I don't even know what it would be like. I mean, I look at my own kids with, you know, with uh, our grandkids, and man, the world's just completely changed. It's crazy what's going on, right? And the demands of work have just escalated. 
And there's all kinds of things in our life that is trying to pull our attention away from the encounter with God. We have to reorient ourselves back if we want to encounter the power and the presence of God in our lives. And by the way, God wants you to encounter him. And there's a big reason for it. And the reason is, is that when you encounter God, his presence has the ability to set you apart, to set you apart from any other people on this earth. If you remember, if you were here last week, I talked about Moses and I talked about the tent of meeting or the tabernacle, right, that God gave him to build. And then he built the ark and the God's presence filled the holy of holies. And wherever the ark went, God's presence went. One thing that Moses learned very quickly about this idea that God gave them and how God's presence was now with them. Look at what Moses learned very quickly that still pertains to us today. He says in Exodus 33, for your presence among us, talking to God, your presence among us sets your people and me, by the way, apart from all other people on the earth. Guys, that's why God wants you to encounter his presence. It's because he's wanting to set you apart He's wanting to pull and set you apart in all kinds of ways. To set you apart to live a life that brings glory to God, first and foremost. To set you apart so that you will love in a world full of hate. To set you apart so that you will be generous in a world full of greed. And to set you apart so that you will live a biblical life in a world full of lust for itself. That when you and me, when we encounter the power and the presence of God, something radical begins to happen for us. And I want you to hear me loud and clear on this. One of the key reasons why I want to see you encounter the power and the presence of God is because I want you to live the life that Jesus called us to live. You know what life Jesus called us to live? He called us to live a life from God, not just for God. Let that sink in for a second. Many of us have been striving to live a life just for God. And it feels like a battle at times, doesn't it? So many things trying to combat us. There's so many things coming against us. This life for God. They even say, I'm living for God. Sounds amazing all by itself. I've chose to live for God. Because let me just say this to you very plainly, that the attitude most of the time behind the statement, I'm living for God, is this. I'm in the driver's seat. I'm the one in control. I am the power generator that's keeping me on track, helping me to accomplish what I think is, is the attitude of what it looks like to live for God. And the whole time Jesus has been saying, that's not what I asked you to do. I didn't ask you to live for God. I asked you to live from God. And that when you live from God, the natural output of that is living for God. We're missing, we're missing a point here. We're, we're missing one of the key steps. We've jumped over the encounter of God that causes us to live from God, and we've skipped that, and we said, you know what? I don't need that. I need dependence on self. And self says live for God, and we try to muster out faith living for God. But when we live from God, it's a much deeper and it's a much intentional type of relationship. For some of you, you're looking at me like, like I've said something completely weird. Because you've never heard it said that way. And your mind's trying to grapple with it. And you're trying to like wrap your whole heart around. What does he really mean by living from God? Guys, to live from God demands that we live more sensitive 
to his presence in our everyday life, meaning that we, we become more sensitive to God's desires in, in smaller and smaller decisions, as an example. I'm just going to give you a couple practicals, right? That we live more sensitive to God's dream in our lives than us just waking up every day and going through the, the daily routine living for God. That we wake up every day knowing that my strength comes from God. My hope comes from God. Any good today comes from God. Like I prayed today for you. God, fill my, fill my heart with your spirit so that from my spirit my mouth would speak from you, God, for your people. God, this is your church. These are your people. God, speak what you want to speak to your people. It's from you to them. It's not from me. You want a message from me, it's going to be dead and boring and dull and full of dumb jokes that you'll be forced to laugh at even when you don't want to. What we want today is an encounter with God where from God, life comes. For that to happen, then to live from God means that we have to anchor ourselves in the dependency of Christ on a regular basis. Living from God, church, is the ultimate act of surrender. Living from God is the ultimate act of encountering God. Living for God, it's good, but it's not great. Living from God is great. And this is, like I told you a moment ago, you were like, when did Jesus teach that? Jesus taught us this on the Sermon on the Mount. When he spoke these words to a group of people that still echo through time to impact our hearts today in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Take a look at it. When Jesus was teaching us to pray, he said these words. He goes, look, pray this way. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, it's this very statement right here. May your kingdom come, where? In here, from God, so, may you, so that your will will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. It's from him through us in this world. This is the picture that he gave us. And yeah, there's a lot more to unpack from this. There's a whole series that can be preached just on what the kingdom of God is all by itself. But in essence, the picture is, God, your kingdom is reigning and ruling in heaven right now. I need that to come reign and rule in me so that from you, through me, I would be a life-giving person as well. And that Jesus is, he's telling us to seek this encounter with God, by the way. Do you notice this? Jesus is the one who's going, hey, pray, seek an encounter where the kingdom of heaven comes and it invades the kingdom of earth inside of your heart. Where heaven meets earth, where the kingdom of God comes and it transforms you from the inside out. And guys, this is the ongoing desperate prayer of the person who is living from God instead of living for God. This isn't the only example, though. In fact, Jesus, he, he, I think God purposely, obviously, writes into Scripture every single word. And one of those purposes was in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house. I find it fascinating every time I read it. Because Jesus and his disciples go there. And when they show up, it's kind of like there's no way to know that they were coming. And so Martha gets all busy about, you know, taking care of the disciples and Jesus. She's the one who's got the hospitality piece going on. And she's going to go make a meal for them, make sure they got fresh drinks. 
right? All this kind of stuff. She's scrambling, make sure the bathroom's clean, make sure all this kind of stuff. Mary, on the other hand, is just infatuated with the fact that the presence of God is in the house. And she has totally like abandoned all practical reason of responsibility, right? And any other schedules or things that she has to do. In fact, at that very moment when Jesus walked into the house, everything else in her mind and in her heart just it just vanquished, it just woof, it was gone. And all she could entertain at that moment was that Jesus was in the house. So Martha's running all over the place, taking care of everything, and notices as she runs through the living room that there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to every word that he has to say, almost kind of like soaking it all in, right? And then she back through the living room again, and there's Mary still sitting there, listening to Jesus with a smile on her face, full of hope, radiating with life. And Martha's got sweat coming off, right? Her hair's starting to get frazzled. Her hands are dirty. And she comes back through the living room again, and this time she just can't handle it anymore, and she comes up to Jesus. Jesus, what in the world? Can't you see all this work I gotta do and my sister's just sitting here? And then Jesus helps us understand the difference between living from him and living for him when he says these words. He goes, my dear Martha, you're worried and you're upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you're worried and upset over all these. You're, you're, you're trying to live for me, but I'm here. Like my presence is here with you right now and you're trying to live for me. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. What do you think it was that Jesus was trying to define with the one thing worth being concerned about? What do you think it was? The attitude of living from him. Mary found it. She found the answer. My presence is here. It's not about what you're going to do for me right now. It's are you going to humble yourself so I can pour myself into you and you can live from me. This is where God wants us. This is what it means to encounter God. It's when heaven meets earth. It's when God's kingdom comes to earth and he begins to reign inside of us and transform us. When heaven meets earth. What in the world is going on in heaven that needs to meet earth, by the way? Do you know what's going on in heaven right now that needs to meet earth? Because if you do, it's going to make it a lot easier to position yourself like Mary did to say, God, I want to live from you instead of just going through the routine of living for you. What's going on in heaven right now? Well, I, I got a great picture of what's going on in heaven right now. It's from the, the prophet Isaiah. Right? So tying these concepts together, we want to live from God, not just for him. Jesus is the one who said, pray this, may your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we're going to look at, well, what is going on in heaven that needs to come from God to impact us, to encounter us? Isaiah has a great picture of this. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6. It's a little lengthy, so stick with me. So read with me uh, along, along with me uh, on the screen so that it really kind of gets into you. He goes, look, look I was, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord, about 740 you know, uh, B.C. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, all right, so angels, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple of it to, its found, to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. What's going on in heaven that needs to come to earth? First off is this, that God, the Father, sits on the throne in heaven. That's the first thing that we need to be looking at that's happening in heaven that needs to come to earth. That in heaven, God, the King, sits on an undisputed throne. That's in heaven. In heaven, God, the King, his presence fills the temple, the entire temple. He fills the whole thing. There's not an inch of it that isn't filled with his glory, that isn't filled with him, his presence. In heaven, that's what's going on. And if that's happening in heaven, when Jesus says, may your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, here's what Jesus is saying. Let the, let the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who sits on his undisputed throne in heaven, come and sit on an undisputed throne called your heart. If you want to encounter God, that's what has to happen. Then he says, look, Let heaven meet earth by the presence of God filling the entire temple. Guess what the New Testament says that you are now? The temple of the Holy Spirit. You want heaven to meet earth? You want an encounter with God? God has to have complete access. God has to have the ability to go anywhere that he wants to go at any time that he wants to go there. And that's a scary thought for humans because we know our sin. So we have to come before God knowing that it's by the sacrifice of Jesus that our lips have been touched with the coal of Christ and that we've been cleansed and our guilty shame has been washed away so that the power and the presence of God can inhabit the entire temple called you. He wants to to take over every thought. That when we live from God, then from the inside out, he transforms the way you think. He transforms the way you love. He transforms the desires like we talked about last week. But he has to be able to go anywhere, at all times, at any time. Can you imagine an ancient king of an ancient kingdom being told, no, you can't go on to the land that is your kingdom? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody that was just bold enough to tell the king, nope, I'm sorry, you can't come onto my land. Let me just tell you how that little fairy tale ends. That guy doesn't, doesn't live much longer. And guys, we serve a king of an undisputed kingdom, and when we pray this crazy, powerful prayer, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are calling heaven to come to earth. That means the king wants to sit on the undisputed throne of your heart, and he wants to have access to every part of your life. So church, to encounter the power and the presence of God, you must ask two critical questions of yourself. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit have complete access to you, the temple? If not, there's no, there's no reason to seek after an encounter with God. 
unless you're going to give him complete 100% access to go anywhere, to deal with anything into the secret parts of the heart. You also have to ask yourself the question, are you willing to step off of your throne and to let God be the undisputed king? Let me just say this to you, that that's not a one-time decision. That that's a decision that you're battling with daily, minute by minute at times. Those are the two questions, and if you can answer those two questions with a yes, then my, my statement to you now is, man, seek after the power and the encounter with God that God could come and he could transform your life from the inside out. What's the second thing that we see that's happening in heaven based out of that passage in Isaiah? That worship fills heaven. This is exactly what you see the seraphim, the angels doing, right? They're calling out, holy, holy, holy. It says that they were calling out to actually one another. It's like being in Memorial Stadium, game day, Lincoln, and they're going like this. A one sider's chanting what? Husker! Thank you. One person's been there. Awesome. One person has been there. Husker power, right? And then Husker and power. It's like the angels are yelling back and forth to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. And the other one's yelling back. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. His glory fills the earth. Oh, yeah? Holy, holy, holy. You know, it's like going back and forth. And Isaiah's in this environment, he's just going, man, heaven is full of angels that are just worshiping God. That means that for you, if you want to live from God and not just for God, then then the, the worship of heaven has to come and fill your heart. There has to be this continued desire that, you know, man, he is holy. You can't you can't drum that up when you're just living for God. You don't have enough of that. It's when we position ourselves to go, God, I want to be a part of heaven's worship that goes on continuously. God, I want to be a part of that. So I position myself to live from you like, God, I need more of heaven to invade earth inside of my heart. Not just to fill me, but to flow through me. Do you realize our worship is evidence of our salvation? Our worship is the evidence of our dedication. Our worship is the evidence of us positioning ourselves to let the power of the Holy Spirit flow through us. Our worship comes out in song, yes. It comes out in gratitude, sure. It comes out in thanksgiving. It comes out in this you know, complete uh, dedication to God. It comes out in prayer. It comes out in you know, loyalty and obedience and humbleness to God. But our job is just to position ourselves before heaven and go, God, let heaven come to earth in my heart. May I be a part of this worship that's going on in heaven, where heaven meets earth. When you encounter the power and the presence of God, here's what happens through that worship. You're encountering the person of Jesus Christ, and God's making himself known to you. See, one of the reasons why we want the worship of heaven to invade our very spirit and our very soul is so that we could get to know our creator in a greater way. I got a friend here in Kearney. He pastors over at, um, at Grace Fellowship, Pastor Mitch Ivey. I think, he's a, I think he's an incredible guy. I think he's an incredible pastor. I've known him for uh, a lot of years. Uh, he was the youth pastor there when I got to New Life, and I was the youth pastor here. And one of the things that we did together was we, we took our youth groups, and we went to Mexico together one year. And our, 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 uh, 
teams were so big that we, we couldn't take them all in one trip, so we had to divide them up. So we've got one group coming down for like, I don't know, 13, 14 days, and then we got another group coming down for another 13 or 14 days. But we only had enough vans to bring one group down. So Mitch and I came down on the first load, right? We lived in Mexico, and we're with the team, and we're leading the team, and when the team goes to leave, we stay in Mexico. Because I'm not driving all the way back on the vans to turn around and drive all the way back down on the vans. I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> so just messing around. So I'm staying there in Mexico with Mitch. And then the vans go back. They pick up the next crew. They turn immediately around and they start driving back down with the, with the second team. So this turns out to be almost a month of living with Mitch in Mexico. In Juarez, Mexico. It wasn't on a beach or something like that, so don't get any crazy thoughts. We weren't on vacation, all right? We were in Juarez, Mexico. Like, you don't even want to go there right now. It's like, the, I think it's one of the murder capitals of the world. And it was probably that way when we were down there. We were just too stupid to know it, right? <laughs> but we spent this time together that created a ministerial bond between our hearts. That when I came back to be the lead pastor, it was as if we picked up the relationship from where we left off. You ever have people like that where you just know them so well that you just, you just pick up like as if a comma was in the sentence, you know, three years before and here you are. And that's the way we are today. But we wouldn't be that way if we didn't spend that kind of time together. And guys, that's what God wants for you. God wants for you, for the worship of heaven to fill your heart so that you get to know who he is in a more intimate way than you've ever known God. And when you worship, you join with heaven and you position yourself then to be filled from God. So why do we worship? We worship so we can position ourselves to be filled from God and that God's presence could come and invade earth and flow through us to the world around us. One last thing. I want to show you that happens in heaven that needs to come to earth. And that last thing is that messengers are sent. Messengers are sent. Now, I know we've been away from Isaiah's passage for a while, so let's get back to it really quickly. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Guys, we, one of the things that we need heaven to invade earth with is the same thing that this prophet allowed to happen. Here he is in this vision of heaven and he hears God say, who will go? And the prophet says, I will go. Isn't that interesting? I find that quite interesting. And the reason why I do is because the prophet had already positioned himself to be God's voice piece to the people. But here God was one more time, not just assuming that Isaiah would be the voice piece. But asking the question, who will go? We need a messenger to go. And Isaiah goes, here I am. It was almost kind of like a check. Like, Isaiah, who are you living for? Like, where are you going? Has all of this ministry gone to your head? Right? Have you just become prideful in it? Have you just got caught up in self? Are you doing things just for me? Are you willing to do things from me? And Isaiah goes, God, I'm wanting to live from you. I will go. You put your message inside of my heart and I will go. 
And I just want you guys to know something, that a person that desires to encounter God and to live from God instantaneously is positioning themselves to say yes to the king, that I'll be a messenger for you in this lost and dying and hurting world. I'll be a messenger of love, and I'll be a messenger of your hope to this world. And that's that's what it means for heaven to meet earth. It's that God would sit on the throne of your heart. It's that you would engage in his worship, and that you would become his messenger to this lost and this dying world. And in that, what we ultimately are doing is bringing glory to God. So church, seek an encounter with God this morning. Seek an encounter with God where you actually start to hear his heart. Where you get to know God. Let the, let, join in with the worship of heaven today and get to know the heart of God. Embrace, embrace the, the power of God today. Embrace an encounter with God. Don't hold back. With passion in your heart, move in. Move in for all that God has for you. Jesus is the king and he wants to be the king of your heart he wants to reign and he wants to rule in you so i say that we say back to jesus today the very thing he taught us to say but with a better understanding than maybe we ever have had before jesus may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth in me an encounter with me as is being done in heaven right now jesus i recognize that you are sitting on your throne as King of kings and Lord of lords, undisputed in heaven, and may you come and sit on my throne, undisputed in me. I recognize that heaven is filled with worship, and may I join in in that very worship to you as King and Lord, leader, Savior. Jesus, here am I. Send me. Because an encounter with God is never just about an, an external experience between you and God, it's always, about, it's always about an empowerment between you and God to be sent to the world with a message of hope that you didn't have before. So today, we desire to encounter God, not just so that he fills us, as in a selfish sense, but just like the prophet Isaiah, we desire to be, encounter God so that the power and the presence of God encounters us on earth so that we walk out of these doors with a more poignant message of hope, a hope-filled message that Jesus is king and lead this world back to the heart of Christ. Why don't you stand with me, and let's move into a moment of worship and join with heaven. Father, right now we come to you. We come to you in Jesus' name. We're thankful for that. Because if it wasn't for the coal of Christ touching our lips and liberating us and setting us free from the guilt and the shame of our sin, we would be doomed to separation from you. Absent from a god centered encounter with you but today lord we're full of hope knowing that you have already done everything that is required so that we can encounter you and your desire for us is that we become hungry we become expecting we would come with with dethroning ourselves so that you could have the throne we would come with a desire to join with heaven in worship we would come with a desire to be sent as a messenger but today lord we want to encounter you not just for our selfish gain but for your gain on this world, in this world. We don't want you, we don't want heaven to come to earth just so that we can feel good about ourselves. We want heaven to come to earth so that you're glorified. We want your kingdom to come so that this lost and dying world would know Jesus. Lord, I'm desperate for an encounter with you because it's way more, it's way more than just me with my, with my spiritual goosebumps. It's me in the presence of a living God. 
being transformed from the inside out to be sent to a lost and a dying world. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth, in us, as it is in heaven. Amen.